Welcome back to Messy in the Middle. Joining me this week, I have repeat guest, Dr. Noor Ali. Dr. Noor is a medical doctor and health insurance expert, and she is here to give us the down and dirty on all things open enrollment and health insurance for freelancers. So Noor, welcome back to the show. Hi, Haley. Thank you so much for having me. This is one of my most favorite shows to be on, so I'm so happy that I'm back here. Yay, so happy to have you. Um, so let's dive into it. Being self-employed, deciding to quit your job, deciding to go down this freelancer entrepreneur rabbit hole, I think one of the biggest pushbacks I've ever gotten and a lot of people I know have ever gotten is like, okay, cool, but what are you going to do for health insurance? So for those of us who have gone off on our own, what are we supposed to do for health insurance? What are our options? Yes, that's a fantastic question. And you're absolutely right. Um, I think health insurance still remains to this day the number one cause that deters people from making that big decision, big career jump from full-time corporate to full-time freelance or entrepreneurship. Um, but there's definitely a whole world of options outside of your what your employer used to offer. So if you are going down this journey the two markets to research options for your health insurance is going to be the public healthcare marketplace and the private healthcare marketplace. And there's tons and tons to explore in both of these spaces. Okay. So when we think about public marketplace insurance, I think most people think about open enrollment. And all I remember thinking about with that was like, if I need insurance and it's not during open enrollment, I'm done for. I'm not going to be able to get it and I'm going to like have this terrible tragedy. So can you explain what marketplace insurance is and if there are ways to, I guess, access it outside of open enrollment if you are in one of those transition periods? Yes, fantastic question. So here's a down and dirty for the public healthcare marketplace, also known as politically known as Obamacare, healthcare.gov. That's all the same thing. Now, open enrollment does refer to November, December, typically in your state. Some states extend it to January 15th, but it's safe to say it begins November 1st. And that's when it's open to the entire United States, right? Um, because this is a guaranteed issue platform, which means anyone and everyone can pick up a plan. That's why they can't have it open all year round. So if you're of a general population, you haven't had insurance, November 1st is when you can begin to enroll for the following plan year. However, if you just missed open enrollment or you didn't know about it or your situation changed, you know, life happened and it didn't exactly happen on November 1st for you, there are some life qualifying events that allow you to pick up a plan on the public marketplace outside of open enrollments. And those special life qualifying events include moved, got a new job or lost a job or lost coverage through a job, um, got married, um, had kids and need to add them to your policy. So those are some situations where you can get a plan outside of open enrollment. Okay, so let's say I'm thinking about quitting my job. It's not open enrollment. I still have the option to go down the marketplace route. Are there any other options for me if I don't want to go with marketplace insurance or I can't find what I'm looking for, but it's just like a random event happened and I need inco- and I need coverage? Yeah, totally. Um, it also depends on like what situation you're coming from. So if you're leaving a big corporate role, typically your employer, if they have more than 50 employees, they're obligated to offer an extension of your health insurance benefits. And that's called COBRA, Consolidated Omnibus Budget Reconciliation Act, which 
tells your employer, hey, we have to, you can't just cut off your employees' benefits if they get terminated or leave. You have to offer an extension. Now, the challenge of that is you'll have continuity of care because your plan will look like what you're used to, but it can be up to 118% more than the full premium of the price and what you were probably used to because your employer was subsidizing a cost of that. Uh, bottom line, Cobra can look really, really expensive. It really is. And the sticker shock gets a lot of people. So you leave your job. Cobra is an option for you. Public marketplace is an option for you. Or the private marketplace is another really big and potentially good fit option as well. Okay, awesome. And now Cobra, from what I remember, I believe Cobra runs out, right? Like you can't just, let's say you're fine with the sticker shock price and you want to just stay on your old coverage. That doesn't last forever, right? It's a maximum of 18 months. Exactly how long it'll last is up to your uh, HR department, up to your employer, but it's a maximum of 18 months. Gotcha. So even if you choose Cobra, you still have to eventually decide between marketplace and private. Yeah, correct. Okay, cool. So focusing still on marketplace insurance, who is going to benefit the most from choosing a marketplace plan versus Cobra or a private plan? Yes. The public marketplace is a really great fit for those who are in lower income brackets, and I can explain exactly what those values are, and those with pre-existing conditions, major chronic conditions, primarily more healthcare needs than the average healthy American because they can take advantage of the higher deductibles that are going to be on the public marketplace. Um, What I mean by um, the income levels are, remember I I mentioned the public marketplace is an entirely guaranteed issue platform. So the way the premiums are calculated are primarily from income levels. So if you are making more than 400% over the federal poverty level, then you're not going to qualify for any type of government subsidy, um, any assistance, any premium tax credit. So those premium prices are going to look quite high to you and they have higher deductibles and typically HMO or limiting networks. So those offers don't look as enticing. However, if your income is lower than 400% and that number is traditionally just around 50,000 for a household size of one, you can qualify for a sliding scale subsidy or a temporary tax credit from the government that greatly reduces the cost of that premium. Now these plans look amazing because it's a lot less. Um, So that's who I would say is going to be a good fit. But if you don't qualify for that subsidy or you're generally healthy and you don't have a lot of major pre-existing conditions, then those plans are not going to look as hot. Gotcha. Are there any differences in, I guess, like the quality of the plans with marketplace versus private? Because I know I'm currently on a marketplace plan and I joke like, I don't pay a lot and it's shit insurance, but like at least I'm saving money. Um, But I'm like, not going to have those subsidies soon. So like looking at private insurance, I like kind of wonder if there is a benefit to going that route, um, even if it's like maybe towing the line financially. Sure. Yeah. And and how, it really depends on how you define quality, Haley. And that's a question I ask all of my clients on my consultations is what does quality healthcare mean to you? So if you don't care about maybe the provider that you see or what hospital you're getting care at, I'm joking here because those are typically things people care about, um, <laughs> then maybe, you know, the network of access is, is not as important and public marketplace is fine for you. Uh, but if you do care about who you're seeing, where you're getting care, uh, a PPO network, a PPO plan is probably going to be that higher tier, higher quality, where you have that autonomy, that freedom to see, you know, top providers for when you want excellent care, which should be all the time. Um, And you, you get more of those PPO options on the private market. 
Gotcha. So outside of choice and those kind of limitations, are there any other downsides to choosing a marketplace option if you are kind of on the fence between the two? Um, again, it's just going to depend on individual preference and what situation you're at. If you can afford a private plan and it makes more sense to you, go that route. But uh, I would really make that determination based on budget, where you are in life, what is quality and, and what matters to you. Gotcha. So it's definitely like worth exploring both. For sure. Yeah. Okay, cool. So then moving on to the private side of things, what Mm -hmm. does private insurance look like? What is the process like that? Because it's not the same as open enrollment. It's not the same. No, but private is like, like for me being in the industry is like this big amusement park with all this, (laughs) you know, smorgasbord of choices. And there's so, so, so many options. So for me, exciting. It's like, oh yes, we have so much to play with. Where, where are we going to go with this? Um, But for the average consumer, that's not as fun because it's like, oh crap, where do I begin? Um, You know, if you start Googling, you're going to definitely fall down a rabbit hole, but you're really also going to see what the bigger insurance companies with the bigger ad budgets, what they want you to see. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, I like to start offering with with some education and let's talk about like the types of plans available on the private private market. What model makes sense to you? What do you qualify for? What's important to you? Um, so again, tons and tons of options on the private market. There's a lot of customizations that we can do. Um, there's lengths of terms that we can modulate. Um, there's, you know, specific situations. If you're just, you know, trying to have a baby next year, or get a very specific surgery covered, we can shop around those, those various needs as well. Okay, cool. Um, so when it comes to then the kinds of people who would maybe benefit from a private plan, you're talking like trying to have a baby, looking for a specific surgery. Are there any maybe like less extreme markers for someone to maybe notice in themselves that like, oh, private would probably make a lot of sense. Um, I would go back to that determination of, of income and general health condition. If your income, if your household size of one income more than 50,000, you know, you're not going to make less than that, or your business is not going to make less than that. Um, that would be a great time to switch to looking at private market along with if you're generally healthy no major pre-existing conditions not looking to get expensive health care or expensive surgery private market's going to give you much much better options okay and then what if you are in one of those circumstances where you do have a pre-existing condition or there are maybe some health concerns that put you in like a middle ground for mm-hmm. um you know, how much care you need. What are some of the like downsides or risk factors for people to consider when maybe private insurance isn't right for them? This is going to be a really individual risk assessment, mm-hmm. Haley, so it's hard to give me a, give a blanket advice um, on this interview today. Um, but again, I would just like do an individual assessment because sometimes people think they're a lot unhealthier than they are like oh I've been asthmatic since since I was a kid well that's not too bad from an insurance perspective right like we could probably get you a better deal on the private side but they think they're a higher risk than they are um, so this is really going to be an individual assessment and to see what's going to be a better fit gotcha I mean even that was a super helpful example for me because yeah. like I don't really care about talking about my health on here like I growing up have a ton of food allergies like I need good ER coverage I need to make sure EpiPens are covered but like in the grand scheme of things like I'm not in and out of the doctor all the time so that's a good example of like maybe private insurance is a better option than I thought was available to me until just now yes (laughs) 
Um, so outside of all of the it depends questions that I apparently front loaded this interview with, I'm going to throw some kind of fast fact FAQ style questions at you to help educate us a little bit more on sure. all of this health insurance lingo. Because even if you're just poking around trying to explore for yourself, I know personally many of my friends turned 26 and chose crossing their fingers and hoping for the best as their healthcare method. So maybe we can get some of these things answered um and then we'll all be better covered for 2024 um so you talked before about a premium what is the premium the premium is the price that you have to pay per month just to have your health insurance policy you're gonna hate this especially if you're not (laughs) used to paying this and you're 26 but it comes with the adulting package so insurance premiums just like home and auto and health insurance you have to pay whether you use the insurance or not It's the price of the policy. Gotcha. And then the next question that kind of comes along with that is what is a deductible? Deductible, in my opinion, is far more important than the premium. So the deductible, traditionally, it means the amount of money you have to pay in addition to the monthly premium before your insurance benefits are going to kick in. So something that I really struggled with when I was shopping for health insurance and my parents were absolutely no help in figuring out was, so you've got the premium, you've got the deductible, and then like with the marketplace plans, especially like the deductibles are pretty high. Um, But then there's all of this stuff in the middle. Like if you just have to go to the doctor for a checkup or a random follow-up and things like that, do those count towards like you just pay full price for those or does it depend on the plan like how do you calculate what you're actually going to have to spend because sometimes it feels like it's just easier to not have insurance yes I know and I can totally understand that but that's not a good strategy Haley don't do that you you definitely need to have a health insurance especially in America um, but uh, I wish I could give a clear answer but it really just depends on your policy mm-hmm. so you may have a policy that has a deductible but also has co-pays right and you have fixed co-pays for when you go to see a a doctor or a specialist and that's what you have to pay and that's it and it doesn't touch your deductible but sometimes Mm. it does so the deductible I want you to think of when does that really come into play is when you need care outside of your traditional preventive care normal doctor visits so we're talking out of the ordinary things like crap, I see a lump and I need to get this explored with an x-ray or an MRI, or um, now I need to have this outpatient procedure to remove a mole or uh, an unexpected appendicectomy surgery. Those are kind of situations where your deductible would come into play outside of the regular day-to-day stuff. Gotcha. That explanation would have literally saved me hours of trying to get insurance for the first time. Um, And then another number or label that we often see like with the premium and the deductible is that max out-of-pocket cost. Does that factor co-pays in or is that something else entirely? Um, No, max out-of-pockets usually don't factor co-pays in, but it's really, really important to know because that's going to be your your bottom line liability. So your max out-of-pocket is kind of like this contract between you and your insurance company that says, hey, if I pay you guys this amount, you're going to take care of the rest 100%, no questions asked. Um, and that's going to prevent me from medical bankruptcy. So that's your stop mm-hmm. loss. So it's really important to know that number and also have a mental idea like, hey, do I have this in savings or, you know, worst case scenario, I know that I'm going to have to pay this. Will I be able to pay this if I have to? Um, so that's a very, very important number to know. Gotcha. Okay. That 
Yeah, it was not what I thought it was. I thought it was like some weird, I was like girl mathing it. I was like my premium <laughs> plus my doctor's visits, like I'll make it happen. Oh my <laughs> But God. it sounds like you do not want to reach your max out of pocket. Um, talking about all of these numbers, talking about all of these things, no one seems to be happy to have insurance. A lot of people are not happy with insurance. Why does it all cost so much? Or like what goes into having a super high premium or a super low deductible or that's a really open-ended question, but can you kind of explain some of the like why behind all of these random numbers that we're tied to? Yeah, it's a very deep question, Haley, and it's also quite loaded. Um, I'm, it's not that I'm not accustomed to it. It's like, where do I begin and where do I start? Do I want to go down this economic analysis of, of the of the U.S. healthcare system or do I want to like s- simplify it? I think if I were to simplify it, the it depends on who is asking that question, Haley. Mm-hmm. So if you are maybe making $30,000 in America, you may qualify for almost free health care. You're mm-hmm. not complaining about health insurance. You're getting to see your doctor for free. You're happy with it. Mm-hmm. You have to ask the perspective and understand who is asking this question. So if you're maybe a higher income household in America, making too much money, self-employed, you don't have any employer helping you with your premiums, uh, you know, you're, the government's not helping you with any premiums, that might be a position to be complaining about the cost of healthcare, right? Because you're paying for everything. You're generally healthy. You never use your insurance. You're a little bitter about it, about it all. Mm-hmm. That's when I can come in and say, hey, maybe you're just looking in the wrong place or you have the wrong type of insurance. So the perspective of who is asking um, is always going to factor into my response and and, and this question. Yeah. No, that actually makes a lot of sense because I think sometimes it can feel like like car insurance, for example, like it's expensive. We have to have it like legally we have to have it. And so like we're just annoyed about it regardless of whether or not we understand it or how much we understand it. And so understanding like, oh, this costs so much because I like picked the wrong plan for my needs or I give coverage for something I don't need can definitely help to ease some of that frustration. Um, And like you said, you know, work with a professional to build a strategy to do it better next time. And I and I have mentioned think of um, talking about strategy. Like I have to say that the the strategy for home and auto is not the same as your health insurance. So typically, home and auto insurance, we're paying our premiums. We have to. No one really complains about it, but no one also really uses home and mm-hmm. car insurance. On you know, you're not filing claims all the time. You're not getting into accidents. Your house is not getting on fire. You know, hopefully not every year. So these are premiums that we're paying without complaining and without using. But on the mm-hmm. health insurance side, most people are very unhappy to pay, pay premiums, and they're even more unhappy when they use their health insurance and they have maybe a bill or a copay or you know they're subject to that deductible. And I've always been very curious, like, why is that? You're not complaining about this insurance. Why are you complaining about this insurance? And there's just a, a like an, a knowledge and understanding gap, and also that that your your policy is not a good fit. So mm-hmm. when are people happy about insurance? when it works for them, when they don't have big out of pockets, right? They're like, I love my insurance. You know, it covered this. I didn't receive a bill. So understanding what your needs are and finding a policy to match that is is what's going to give that outcome and experience. We are happy and not complaining about your health insurance. Gotcha. Um, final or second final question. Um, you said something about a PPO before. I know HMOs, I've heard, I had written down on a sticky note somewhere, EPOs. What are all of the letters? What do they all mean? 
<laughs> yes. Um, so that that's a common misconception that that's a type of a health insurance plan. It actually refers to the network of providers and doctors and hospitals you have access to. So you can have a plan that covers you head to toe, costs zero dollars, zero copays, free, 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 free. But if you can only use that plan with that one doctor that you have to drive three hours to and there's no hospital near you or emergency room near you that takes your plan, that's a problem. So the HMO, PPO, and EPO refers to the network of doctors, hospitals, and providers you have access to to use your health insurance plan and benefits. HMO stands for um, health maintenance organization. The role here is to really minimize medical expenses and costs. So what this means is your insurance provider will probably assign you a primary care doctor to go to. You don't have, sometimes you don't have a lot of say over this. And that primary care doctor acts as a gatekeeper to using more healthcare services. So if you want to see a specialist, you're going to need a referral slip, or I like to call it a permission slip. Um, and typically they have longer wait times. It's a, In general, it could be a lower quality of care. PPOs uh, stands for preferred provider organizations. I love this. This is going to be the widest catch-all network. It gives you nationwide coverage. It crosses state lines. No referral slips required. If you have the option, go for the PPO. EPO stands for Exclusive Provider Organization. It's a blend of an HMO and a PPO where it's limited network of doctors, but you also don't need referral slips to see whoever's in that limited access. Gotcha. So I've learned from our conversation so far, I'm not going to ask you to advise us which one we're supposed to pick or which <laughs> one's the best, um, but it definitely does sound like there are certain circumstances where it makes a lot of sense to save some money, go with an HMO or other situations where having a PPO is just like the peace of mind and like ease of access to care is definitely the move. Correct. Um, awesome. So judging by the number of questions that have answered with it depends um you know why is this all so confusing and what is the benefit of working with someone like you to walk through all of it yeah it's confusing because there's so many variables um, involved in this decision-making process, Haley, right? There's the risk factors, there's your stage in life, there's income, there's your health uh, you know, status, your level of usage of insurance, where you live, where you're going to live, what your needs are going to be. So you know, putting all of these variables into an equation and spitting out like one answer is hard for the average consumer who doesn't, who's not familiar with this lingo. This is like an entire industry, right? Um, and that's where professionals like myself can really step in and make it a lot easier, right? Um, so a little bit about myself. I am um, a medical doctor. I trained and studied abroad in Bangladesh. I also have a public health degree in global healthcare systems. So I've studied healthcare systems at a scientific level, and I know where how it works in other countries and how it works here and how to kind of leverage the system, take your situation, put it into this equation and spit out that one solution. So that's exactly what I do. And, and I'm very proud of this expertise because it just makes my, my clients' lives so much easier and better and happier. And you have to understand this is a constantly evolving target, right, Haley? Where you are now is probably not where you're gonna be in five years. Maybe you're gonna think about a family, maybe your business is gonna take a turn, right? So learning to take all of these moving target variables and 
you know, make your health insurance decision move the way that your life moves while still taking into consideration, you know, the policy changes and the laws of where you where you live and how American politics and economy plays into that equation. Um, I, I think it's it's a lot to ask for for the for the average consumer. Yeah, even just like listening to you talk about it all, my brain is like, okay, what's happening? Yeah. Um, well, that's amazing. It sounds like working with you is fantastic. I know every time you and I talk, I wish I lived in a state that you were able to help me. Yeah. Um, so how can people work with you? I know that we've put together something special for open enrollment, um, but what are all the different ways that people can work with you or learn from you, especially as we are all thinking a lot about healthcare this season? Yes, yes. Thank you, Haley. Um, so yeah, you and I w- worked together to, to bring something really fantastic um, for the season, which I'm so proud of. So historically, I've had my signature DFY done for you offer where you have a 15 minute consultation with me. I listen to your situations, put all of those variables into the equation and then sp- spit out a solution for you. Um, and I still do have that offering for anyone who's interested. Uh, but especially for the season, if you're you know somewhat seasoned and you just need a little bit of help to DIY it, uh, I have a DIY offer that you know you and I help to create and this is really like a demo tutorial on how to use healthsherpa.com which is a user-friendly version of healthcare.gov and just play around and play with your own numbers your income your situation and how to sign up for um, a health insurance plan all by yourself um, this open enrollment season so you guys can check that out and if after that you still need my help my my done for you solution is always here Amazing. Now, is that um, kind of DIY solution also only available in the states that you're licensed or is that available in all 50 states? Um, It's available in all 50 states. Oh, amazing. Love that. Mm -hmm. Um, So all of the links for this will be in the show notes. We also have a video walkthrough guide of healthsherpa.gov so you can, you know, watch Nora walk you through it and then decide if you need that help. So all of that will be in the show notes. And... Happy healthcare season, everybody. <laughs> Thanks, Haley. Thank you so much. Thank you.